0: I see retirement as just another of these reinventions, another chance to do new things and be a new version of myself, Walt Mossberg. Welcome to the Financial Clarity Podcast, dedicated to helping you make smart money decisions, live your values, achieve your dreams, and get more life from your money. This is episode 14. Hello again, I'm Mark Sinderson, and thanks for joining me for this episode of the podcast, where this week we'll explore how to make retirement planning more relevant. And in the fun money segment, I'm going to have the first edition of Mark's Book Club, where I'm going to give you a quick review of some books that I've been reading. The show notes, along with any links and additional resources for this episode, can be found at financialclaritypartners.com, forward slash fcp014 now since we're going to be talking about retirement today i want to make sure you know that i can never retire from my duty of reciting the all-important disclaimer please remember that when you listen to this or any other financial podcast that you shouldn't take advice from me on this show i don't know you or your specific situation And you don't know me very well, so please think of this show as just helpful information, tips, and education. Before you make any decisions about your financial life, make sure to speak with your legal advisor, your tax advisor, or your financial advisor. It's just the smart thing to do. Ah, retirement. Time to kick back, do nothing, and let the world go by after a lifetime of hard work, sacrifice, and savings. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Well, if you watch most of the advertising from the majority of the financial services companies out there, or speak with a typical financial advisor, according to them, that's what everybody should try to achieve. That vision of retirement, ideally at age 65, has become the dream of millions and millions and millions of people. This strategy may have worked for our parents' or grandparents' generation, but is it really the best way to do things today? I would argue that it's not, and that it's time for a new take on retirement and how to plan for it. Here's a few reasons why I say that. First, we're living longer. Back when retirement as we know it was created in the 1930s, kind of came along right with the advent of Social Security, I think it was 1934, 1935. The retirement age was set at 65. Now, at that time, the typical person who made it to age 65 was expected to live another 12 years. Today, a male born in 1952, which means they're turning 65 now in 2017, can expect to live another 19 plus years. That's about 58% longer than when Social Social Security was created. Now... If you are a male who is 40 today, your life expectancy at age 65 is going to be more than 20 years. And if you're a female, your life expectancy pretty much across all ages is even longer than for men. That's probably because you're smarter than us. Now, (laughs) these numbers uh, that I'm quoting here came from the life expectancy calculator at the Social Security website, which I will have a link to in the show notes. The point is we're living a lot longer than we were Uh, back when retirement, uh, as it's known today, was typically um, invented, I guess. Second, pension plans are disappearing. In the last 30 years, the percentage of workers covered exclusively by a company pension plan has dropped by almost 90%. That's right. From 1979 through 2014 is the range of statistics I'm quoting here, the percentage of people covered exclusively by a company pension plan, in other words, their source of retirement income was going to be a pension provided by their employer, has dropped by almost 90%. Basically from 28% of the workforce down to about 2% today. That means that nearly all of us right now are counting only on ourselves for our own long-term savings instead of on our employers or the government to save for us. Now, Both the employers and government pension plans have a large number of people that they can draw from, which helps improve the odds of success. Well, the result of lower pension plan participation is that less and less of our golden year's money is assured uh, through the use of actuarially sound saving strategies, i.e. pensions, and instead is subject to the success or failure of each of us acting on our own uh, with our own flawed investing and savings habits now i got this information from the employee benefits research institute website once again uh... the link is in the show notes page Now, on top of the reduction in the amount of people covered by pension plans when you add in the uncertainty of social security as it is today things get even more interesting all right. The third major point on why I think it's time to take a new take on retirement planning is that the nature of work is changing. Now, back for our parents, our grandparents, it was pretty typical for a person to work for maybe one or maybe two companies for their entire working career, 40 years plus. Uh, that's changed dramatically in just the last 15 or 20 years. And to the point now where we are changing jobs or careers much more than our parents or grandparents ever did. In fact, many of us will have multiple careers, not just jobs, we'll have multiple careers as we go through life. And many of us will work farther into, quote unquote, old age, either because we feel the need to financially or we just enjoy the work that we do. So, When you take those three factors and where they were before versus where they are today the uh, result is that back in the day uh, old school retirement planning was was a little bit easier uh, for the reasons that most workers had pensions they stayed at their jobs longer and they died sooner once they did retire so that made the math of retirement planning easier from a planning perspective at least, when you combine a higher percentage of mostly guaranteed pension income with Social Security, some savings, and a shorter lifespan, getting to the end of the journey with money still in the bank was a little more predictable than it is in today's world. Well, today, things are much different, uh, but unfortunately, I think many financial planners are still stuck in the past, trying to make the numbers work based on outdated assumptions and oftentimes coming up short. Now, what this does is this leads to a whole lot of discouraged and depressed people who think that they'll never be able to, quote-unquote, retire in the traditional sense that they see modeled on all the TV commercials and magazine ads over the course of their entire life. So, with old-school planning, as I'm describing it, oftentimes the conversation with the financial planner will go something like this. Well, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, I have some bad news. We ran the numbers, and it looks like you won't be able to retire at 65, uh, do nothing, and sit on the beach. The numbers just don't work. And the reason the numbers don't work in that scenario is that Oftentimes, because they're only looking at it as a math problem that can be solved with numbers, the choices come down to uh, one of probably three different things either work longer, live on less now, or live on less now or in the future, or save a whole heck of a lot more. Now, none of those are immediately appealing, at least for most people. And that's because most financial planners come from an investment-only background. The uh, profession of financial planning, such as it is, uh, has been around for about 45, 50 years. And uh, a lot of the people that started financial planning came from investment or insurance backgrounds. So the whole paradigm was built around, we need to have a product, an investment, or an insurance product that can fit the need and help people uh, make that number. So most of the financial planners earned their incomes from managing investments or selling insurance products. So naturally, at least to me it seems like naturally, every problem should be able to be solved by investing. Um, The other aspects that make our lives interesting, fun, uh, exciting, were looked at but not fully addressed or sometimes not even considered at all. And that's what often... And what happens oftentimes when the question of uh, can I retire is reduced to a math problem? The result is that oftentimes the numbers just don't work, to quote the old school financial planner. Well, the world has changed, as I, I talked about a little earlier here. The world has changed, and so must retirement planning and financial planning in general. The new realities of the world we live in, the times that we live in, demand a new, more flexible method of retirement planning. Now, the conversation with Mr. and Mrs. Smith will probably sound a lot different under this newer method. So what is this new method? Well, there's lots of different variations, but there is a small but growing percentage of financial planners that are following this general model. And the new retirement planning framework can loosely be um, described as much more of a holistic, big-picture planning experience that really takes into consideration all aspects of a person's life, not just their saving and investing. So what does that include? What is holistic planning? Well, once again, you're going to get a lot of different definitions depending who um, who you talk with, but... I see big picture planning as, like I said, something that considers all aspects of a person's life. And when we're talking about retirement planning, I think it needs to involve helping the client uh, and the planner for that matter, reimagine what retirement is, given the realities of where each individual person is at and the world that we are in today. We need to reimagine what retirement is. Um, The old model is work, 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 work in a job that maybe provides for your family but is not necessarily fulfilling. But that's okay because at the end of the rainbow, at age 65, you're going to retire, get a gold watch and move to the golf course or move to the beach and spend your days blissfully doing nothing. Well, that doesn't really apply anymore. And if that's what your goal is, great, we can help you get there. But I think for most people is that they want to do more than just retire and do nothing. So we need to reimagine what retirement is. And a holistic planning approach can help do that. Uh, It needs to take into the uh, consideration the new realities of life. Longer lifespan, more flexibility and choices that we have as well as the higher costs that come with all this new technology and, advance, and advancements that we have. There are higher costs uh, related to that, uh, not just because we're living longer, but because of society and the way we have evolved, I guess, as a society. A holistic or big picture planning also really places a priority on goal setting and prioritization of those goals. And that's not just, well, when do you want to retire? And that's the only goal. Goal setting should involve all aspects of a person's life, not just retirement, but short-term, mid-term, as well as long-term goals like retirement. So a holistic plan takes a look at the whole picture, the big picture, and takes a look at every type of goal that a person might want to achieve Uh, both in the short term and the long term, and try to tie all that together into something that makes sense for that individual. Holistic retirement planning, I think, is um, something that ends up being a lifestyle, not a number. In other words, retirement shouldn't be about a number, but about the life that you want to live. Whatever the numbers are, they are. But it's not necessarily a magic number. It's the lifestyle that you want to live. And work from there back to, uh, to find what is needed to get to that lifestyle. Holistic planning also takes into account the what I call the non-asset assets and how best to use them. Now, what are non-asset assets? Well, think about it. Uh, One of the biggest assets we have as human beings is our creativity and our ability to adapt and change. And one of the things that goes under that that a lot of people don't think about, maybe uh, early, maybe they think about it later in life, but the sooner you start thinking about it, the better, is what are your passions? What do you enjoy doing what really um, motivates you and inspires you to continue going through life day after day after day and striving to get better. For a lot of people, their passions are not aligned with their work, for example. So if we can work with people as financial planners and help them discover their true passions in life, we can work with them and help integrate those passions into their life which gives them more flexibility and choice as they move through life so the key is to help people discover their passions and make those passions work for you that's one of the biggest non-asset assets we have Um, the other thing that we don't often consider is um, are the family and the friends that we have around us what can we do to leverage that to help our life. That's not considered an asset in the sense of money, but the, the network of people that you associate with, the people that you deal with every day, your family, your friends, uh, coworkers, people that you uh, uh, interact with in uh, in the course of pursuing your passions, for example, can all be used to, to help you live a better life. So a holistic planning approach takes into consideration that. And the result of that is by taking a look at those passions and the, the human capital that we have around us, we're better able to plan for a long, active, and involved life, which I think if you ask most people what they want when they get to retirement is they, they want to be involved. They want to feel worthwhile. They want to be passionate about life and enjoying life as much as they can. So if we start working on that long term, back when people are in their 20s and 30s and start helping them reimagine what their life can be like, um, we have a much better chance of uh, helping that person move through their life and be passionate and happy and involved all the way through their life. The other thing uh, that holistic planning needs to take into consideration, and oftentimes a lot of financial plans don't, is continuous ongoing feedback and adjustments that's something that uh, a lot of times people think of financial planning as or retirement planning as a one time event it's not it can't be retirement planning uh, specifically in retirement and financial planning in general needs to be a continuous ongoing uh, process and the the holistic planning perspective allows for that and requires it really because one thing we know for sure is things are going to change, and you have to be willing to uh, be able to realize those changes, acknowledge those changes, and make adjustments based on changes because life is going to happen and we need to make adjustments. So I've just said a bunch of things that uh, are important to planning. One thing I haven't said is investments and savings. Now, there's still a hugely important part of the plan because – Investing and saving and money is one of the tools we use to help us get the life that we want, but it's not the entire focus, as sometimes it can be with more traditional uh, financial planning methodologies. There's much more to life, and the question of can I retire is more than just money, and it needs to be reflected in our planning. So in order to get the answers you need in this new world of retirement planning, You'll probably want to work with a, a true financial planner who runs their business in such a way that they can take the time to work with you for the long term, no matter your net worth or uh, investment balance. I just kind of want to introduce this concept because uh, this is going to be a huge part of this podcast as we move through 2018, which is just a few weeks away from us, uh, as I sit here today. So stay tuned for much, much more on the benefits of this model of financial planning I'll be expanding on many of these individual components of the of the model uh, of this new planning method as we move through 2018 so stay tuned for that in the meantime uh, what you can do is take the time to make an effort and start envisioning what uh, your retirement um, and your long-term financial picture in general might look like uh, if you'd like to if you don't like what you see, or you want some help in refining that plan, I'd be more than happy to speak with you and see if my services might be of uh, might be of help to you. All right, um, on to the fun money segment, and I'm going to call this Mark's Book Club. And uh, I've always I've always been a reader. I'm not a voracious reader, but I tend to be reading. Th- a couple of books at any one particular time. And ever since I've been in uh, grade school, I've been a fan of science fiction books. It's one of the genres of writing that I've I, I've always enjoyed. Uh, I've read a lot of science fiction books over the years from a lot of different authors. Everybody from you know Isaac Asimov, Arthur C. Clarke, or two of the classic science fiction writers, uh, Larry Niven, uh, a bunch of others. And the thing that I've always liked about science fiction books is that if they're well done, you can become totally immersed in the future that uh, that they're promoting or they're writing about with all the technology, tools, gadgets, and societies that could happen at one day in the future. And I think good science fiction takes today's technology and extends it just far enough out that it's completely new yet still familiar. Back in the summer, I was listening to the Security Now podcast, which is hosted by Steve Gibson, uh, who's a, a longtime computer security expert. And he's a he's a huge science fiction fan. And I listen to the podcast because I find it a great way to kind of keep up to date with all the security and privacy issues that face all of us as we use computers to navigate our world. But he is kind of a, a voracious science fiction reader. And he recommended, I think it was back in maybe June, May or June, um, that fans of science fiction check out uh, a series of books called The Frontiers Saga. And once again, I'll have a link to this in the show notes page. But it's a, it's a series of books. Now, the books are authored by a guy named Rick Brown, R-Y-K-B-R-O-N-W, or O-W-N, sorry. Um, he's a former uh, EMT paramedic and computer repairman who is committed to an impressive goal of writing and self-publishing a total of 75 books in this series. Now the series is broken down into five sets of 15 books each. He's currently on book 7 of the second set. And I'm a little ways behind him. I'm only I'm finishing up book 6 of the first set. But here's a brief description of the series and I find it interesting for a few reasons. So the the synopsis of the the series is Throughout history, certain discoveries, inventions, events, and even people have changed the course of civilizations. Occasionally, these new elements come together to change the destiny of humanity. The Frontier Saga is the story of such a moment. So, the year is 3472. Earth is recovering from a thousand years of darkness and despair caused by a bio-digital plague that nearly destroyed the entire population. They discover a data arc a repository of human knowledge left behind by their fallen ancestors. And this discovery has advanced Earth technology the equivalent of 200 years and only a century. So as a result, they discovered that they had long ago settled nearby star systems, many of which had grown into massive planetary civilizations on their own. They also discovered that most of those worlds had been ravaged by the same plague, and each had struggled to rise from the ashes and thrive again. Now, so the, the whole... Uh, series of books is built around uh, our re-exploring the, 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 the stars around us and encountering uh, one particular world who um, survived and thrived by basically dominating uh, everybody around them. And there's a lot of intrigue. Uh, the technology is... I won't say it's reasonable extension, but it's close. You can kind of see where we're progressing in that way. They're they're not doing um, transporter beams and that type of stuff, but they do have faster than light travel. Um, but the the character development, the the pictures that are painted by his words are, are very very interesting, compelling. The books are well written, and one thing I really like about them is the books themselves are not monstrously long. Most of the books seem to be somewhere between 35 and 50,000 words so I think that equates to maybe 200 to 400 pages so they're relatively quick reads and each book itself has some closure to it and each series of books, in other words, each group of 15 uh, I don't know this for a fact because I haven't finished 15 yet but uh, based on what Steve Gibson said, uh, when you finish that first group of 15 you could stop and feel good about what you read and that you kind of closed the loop, but the next set will kind of take off from that first set and expand a little bit more. So I'm really enjoying the reading. It's a have always found science fiction to be a nice um, uh, break from uh, all the day-to-day stuff that we have to deal with. It gives me a way just to kind of uh, um, to get away for a little bit and read about new worlds and new technologies and Uh, the people involved in it, Uh, and I really enjoy it. So if you're a fan of science fiction, the first edition of Mark's Book Club is going to recommend that you check out The Frontiers Saga by Rick Brown. Very well done uh, series of books, and one thing I really like about it is he's self-publishing. So it's available on Amazon. If you're a member of Amazon Prime or Kindle Unlimited, which is their $9.99 a month program for reading through Kindle devices, I think all the books are free. They're all included as part of that $9.99, which is great because I am a member of Kindle Unlimited and the books are there. And if you're not a member, I think the books are only a $1 dollar or dollar fifty each. So very reasonable. I love the fact that he was entrepreneurial and doing it all himself as well. That's a nice bonus. Okay. That's about it for this episode of the Financial Clarity Podcast. Remember, if you'd like to subscribe. And receive each new episode as soon as it's released. You can definitely do that. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. And if you like what you hear and you want to help this podcast get a a bigger and bigger audience, I'd really appreciate uh, you leaving a positive review on any of those places. iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Leaving a positive review is one of the best ways to spread the word. And our reach is growing slowly but surely. Uh, So... Thanks again for all the support. Uh, to leave me feedback, comments, suggestions, uh, podcast ideas, I'm always looking for feedback and any, anything I can do to help make the podcast better, you can just send me an email at mark at You can also check out Financial Clarity Partners on Facebook and on Twitter where the handle is at planwithclarity and you can also find on Google+. Thanks again for listening. Take care.